If you were able to walk into a room confident that you would be well-received, seen, heard, and appreciated by others, and all it took was a few changes in how you navigate your everyday relationships, would you be willing to make those changes? It is possible to be both fully authentic and to experience the best relationships of your life. Now, here is the host of Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Michaela Gaffin-Stone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Navigating Complicated Relationships here on the Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Michaela Gaffin-Stone, board-certified behavior analyst, human design specialist, and a bunch of other things besides. I have a very special guest for you today, an author. His name is Adam Gaffin, and he is multiply published, and he's got different genres and all kinds of amazing things. Today, he's going to be talking about science fiction, which is, I think, the the number one uh, theme, but we'll find out. And I have some questions for you to consider. Do you think that science fiction's all doom and gloom? Is it all about how terrible the future's going to be? Perhaps you think that the future's going to be simple, according to science fiction, that it's going to be so much easier than life is today. Well, maybe not. Adam Gaffin is an accomplished near-future science fiction writer, and he's here to bring you a different perspective. He's going to show how life on Earth and elsewhere might look sooner rather than later, and it's not going to be simple. That's that's a big hint for you. His works are LGBTQIA plus inclusive and address topics such as polyamory, AI, and gender identity, all of this with a very natural flow. In this show, we're going to discover how he navigates complicated relationships within those stories. And if you're here for a really good story, this is the episode for you. So hang on and find out what's next in science fiction with Mr. Adam Gaffin. Come. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. A wonderful introduction. Why, thank you. I've been practicing. <laughs> so, Adam, you have so many books to talk about that I thought we could start with the origin, the beginning, the very first series. So you have some characters in there that are key throughout this Cassidy verse that you've built. But I'd like you to introduce the story how you would like to so that you don't give away too much because, you know, spoilers. Right, right. Spoilers. Uh, Got to watch out for spoilers. Um, so the the origin story, the first book is called The Cassidy Chronicles, and it starts pretty simply, actually. It starts at a wedding. It gets a lot more complicated from there because the minister tries to kill Ayana, uh, one of the brides, at the wedding, and she and Kendra and their groom, Derek, have to take off running and um figure out who wants Ayana dead because she's a physicist she works you know she works r and d yeah um working on high energy optics and so why would anybody want her dead doesn't make any sense uh the only thing that keeps them alive are some dirty tricks that Kendra knows but she really shouldn't know them because she is a semi-retired actress and Along the way, you know, they find 
uh, well, all right, again, spoilers. They find all sorts of um, new trouble and new allies and new friends and on their way to figuring out, again, who's behind it, why they want her dead, how they're going to stop it. And, um, oh, by the way, Kendra, you have some splaining to do uh, because you've been keeping secrets. Um, so I'm hearing some pretty complicated themes right from the very <laughs> beginning. Opening scene, there is a wedding, two brides, one groom, and a minister who tries to kill them. So I'm, I'm going to say that book starts off with a pretty complicated relationship, or at least it appears to be. But you didn't introduce that part as being complicated. You said it got complicated afterwards. I think that might be a bit of a key to how your books address relationships generally. But I, I think we'll get into that a little bit more as we go along. So how about uh, exploring Kendra and Ayana a bit more? Because those are your two, I, I would go as far as to say favorite characters. Would that be fair? Um, they're, they're certainly up there. They're certainly the movers and shakers behind everything. Uh, you know, they, they both they both have dreams. They both have things that they want to accomplish and um, and, and things they want to do. Uh, Kendra has the bigger dream. She, so they grew up in the 2080s and Kendra's parents are considerably older. She was a foster child who was later adopted and came into her adoptive parents' lives more or less unexpectedly uh, when they thought they, they were done with kids. And as a result, they let her grow up watching our pop culture. That She grew up watching Star Trek and Star Wars and the DCU and the MCU and Buffy and Battlestar and all sorts of all sorts of shows and movies from about the past 40 years. And she decided in her little five, six, seven year old mind that of all the things that she ever saw, Star Trek resonated the most with her. The 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 very optimistic view that Star Trek takes of the future that, you know, things can get bad for a while, but you don't stop trying to make it better. She liked that. And so she, her dream was taken from Star Trek in that she wants to have that kind of worldview in her reality. So her dream is to lead humanity out to the stars and get, you know, get people off of this planet and out of the solar system. Um, so, you know, they, their relationship has been very supportive. They they grew up next to each other. They have been best friends since they knew what a friend was. Um, and, you know, they had a, yeah, they had a teenage relationship and they split up for a while after Ayana went to college and Kendra went off and did her own thing and then got back together a couple years before the beginning of the Cassidy Chronicles. Okay. So how many books are in the Cassidy Chronicles again? Altogether so far? There are currently... Good question. Mm -hmm. uh, nine. There are nine books so far. Yeah. Okay. And do they have to be read in order? 
Is that no, no, there are there are different entry points uh, depending on what people like to read. If you if you want to read an origin story, then you start with the Cassidy Chronicles. If you if you like the idea of a Star Wars type story with you know the big picture and all the space battles and all the politics, there's a four book series called the Artemis War, and you start with the Road to the Stars. If you really want to get into the exploration and the Star Trek themes, you you'd start with the Ghosts of Tantor, and then if you just want to have kind of a sample of everything, there are two collections of short stories that you can read. And interestingly enough, there's also a book which is written from Kendra's point of view, and it's her memories of her childhood. So it's kind of a fictional memoir. So you have got entry points for everybody. And I have to I have to ask publicly on record, Star Wars or Star Trek? Which one's your Star favorite? Trek. Star Trek. That was pretty fast. Yeah. Okay, which one? Uh, Deep Space Nine. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, that's something everybody's going to want to know because you've got Star Trek and Star Wars kind of things going on. And I love how your stories link to now with the pop culture so that people can really feel like they're accessing the future because it's so recognizable, which is really fabulous. But tell us some more about how the the stories of Kendra and Ayana develop into some sort of, I'm going to say complicated ways, but how they navigate those complications as, as they go through the first two or three books, for example. So, you know, in, in the origin story, Kendra has been hiding um, a huge side of her life. After she went out to the West Coast, after she went out to the California Confederacy, um, she founded a, a, a Sensi production studio and got in over her head, uh, took out some bad loans. A company came in and swooped in and rescued her, gave her a loan to cover everything. And then a few months later, the, the shoe dropped, which was, oh, by the way, now you have to come work for us and we want you to be this high paid uh, courier and not just a courier like FedEx or DHL, you know, that deliver a package somewhere. It's the the packages and the information that Kendra carries has to get through. Absolutely, there's no question. So she gets trained in all sorts of techniques, uh, evasion, self-defense. Um, and, and it turns out she actually, not only does she like it, uh, but she's actually really good at it. Uh, so good that the company then, th this company operates in the gray area of the law. And one of the services they provide is uh, assassins for hire. And Kendra- That would be gray. Assassin, yeah, very gray. Um, and, and Kendra becomes an assassin as well as a courier. So again, her her skill set is, I mean, if you think of a female James Bond, you're not going to be terribly far off. So it's about when, time we have one of those. Yep. Um, so, but she's put all this behind her. You know, when when Kendra and Ayana are there at the beginning of the book, 
she's not just, you know, mostly retired from acting, but she's also winding down her involvement with this company. And because she's like, okay, I'm done. That that's a part of my old life and I'm, I'm leaving it behind. Um, the, the, the minister trying to kill Ayana forces her to use these skills, which she, given her cover story, shouldn't have. And so that right. leads to some very interesting discussions and explanations uh, as they're trying to figure out what's going on because Ayana's finding out that the person that she was about to marry uh, isn't quite the person she was about to marry. Uh, Which would be, in fact, excuse me, that would, in fact, be complicated. Very. So how do you, actually, I only have a couple of minutes to ask you this, but how do you figure out what your next move is, how how you're going to develop that plot line? Like, how, do you know what you're going to do ahead of time? Or... Do you know as it comes out of the typewriter, the computer? God, how old am I? Anyway, yes. <laughs> uh, basically, Kendra is, for for those books, for especially the first five books that were written, uh, Kendra was telling me what happened. Uh, it wasn't so much that I knew what was going on. I, With the four book series, I had an idea where I wanted it to end. I uh, had no idea where, how it was going to get there. Um, had no idea how Kendra was going to get out of the various situations she was in. Um, and, and that continues. I, I still don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm currently working on the next, uh, the next book, which is called Tracking Tantor. And again, I know where it wants to, I want it to end. And with what I'm doing with this is I'm putting the characters into situations and finding out what happens. Seeing how that. that. That's kind of like real life right now. Put people in situations and see what happens. And Mm -hmm. sometimes what you think you're going to do in a certain situation isn't actually what you end up doing in that certain situation. And uh, that's, that's a journey of discovery in itself. Now, we have a break coming up, so please don't go away, anybody, including my guest, Adam Gavin. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here. We have a lot more to find out about your books, your process, and the relationships in those books, because I know there's a lot of complex things that you address in a very natural way, and I want to know more about that, and we'll talk about that after the break. So stay tuned. You are listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone and my guest, Adam Gaffin, here on the Inspired Choices Network. Do not go away. See you in a minute. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? 
Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so glad you're still here listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships with me, your host, Michaela Gaffinstone. And today I have a wonderful guest, Adam Gaffin, who has written books based in science fiction. He's also got some fantasy work out, but we'll we'll get to that later. Um, and he's got a lot of very complicated relationships that seem to ebb and flow very naturally. Before we jump back into the discussion, though, I would like Adam to tell you about where you can find his books and some special deals he's got going on, because these are something you don't want to miss. And now is the perfect time to get them. Adam? Absolutely. Right now, uh, if you go to my website, which is CassidyChronicles.com, you can pick up any of my Cassidy books for $2.99 or less. There are a couple which are free right now. Uh, permanently free, so you can grab any of them, download them, and the beauty about buying them straight from the author is that you're actually buying the book. The book will always be yours. You're not buying a license to read it that can be revoked by at any time, so you get to keep it. So all the books are $2.99 or less right now at CassidyChronicles.com slash store you can also read the blog and read my interviews with other authors. Um, all sorts of good stuff on there. Wonderful. And, you know, free books. Like, come on, people, you got to get yourself some free books. What else are you going to be doing at Thanksgiving, right? You need to be <laughs> reading some stuff. <laughs> so tell us about some of the family dynamics that happen in these books, because I don't want to pull out too many spoilers from you. You know, you, you have books for people to read, but there are some interesting family dynamics there. And I know there's uh, a character who everybody's going to love to hate, known as the Primus, and her, her relationship with her family. T tell us a little bit about that. So the Primus, uh, Vasilia Newling, she is the leader, the unofficial leader of the Artemis colony, which is the lunar colony, which is broken away. Uh, she's also the unofficial leader of the Solarian Union, which is the four colonies in the solar system all banded together, uh, again, when they broke away from Earth's control. And, well, nobody could ever prove that she killed her parents uh, to get the Primus ship. Um, but Nobody could disprove it either. Uh, her half-brother, the very first time you meet the Primus, uh, she's having her half-brother thrown onto the surface of the moon without, an, without a suit. 
she so she's not she's not warm and fuzzy then huh she is not warm and fuzzy she is absolutely ruthless in uh, not just gaining power but holding on to it uh, it is the be all and end all of her of her reality if if she doesn't have power there's there's no point so it everything she does is to hold and expand her base and i would i would love to do a whole parenting thing on how she got to be like that but that's uh that's definitely for another day and this there's a character that uh is in her environment shall we say by the name of colin dent um and he has a different kind of relationship with his family i think he he does so Vasilia is all about having personal power and you know she she will do whatever it takes to grab it hold on to it for herself um there are four families that run the moon and Newling is one of the families uh so is Dent Colin is the current head of that family and so he does whatever he has to do in order to further the family's fortunes. So it, it's a, it's it, it's still not exactly warm and fuzzy. Uh, one of the things he does is he puts his cousin to death uh, because the Primus ordered it, and he he chose to do that because it advanced the cause of the family as a whole. It, it improved the standing of the family in the Primus's eyes, which, you know, is important. You know, when she when she casually orders people to get thrown out of airlocks, you want to be on her good side. I guess they would. So that's that's two. It sounds like they're both very ruthless, but one is ruthless for the betterment of the family, and the other one is all about herself. Um and they sort of have to navigate around each other a little bit, don't they, in the stories? They do. Um, and, and I can't go into too much, again, spoilers, but right. Dent Dent ends up playing a very deep game um, through through the four-book series. He's, he's playing a very deep game that almost pays off. Oof, close, but not quite. I don't want to pull any more spoilers out of you there. So let's leap forward to this concept of found family versus blood family, because this is something that a lot of people deal with that now. And you've also got it in the future in science fiction, um, where people are navigating through found family versus blood family. Can you go into that a little bit more to explain how they view these two things and how they intersect or don't? Sure. So it, it's it's most important to to the various characters how they relate uh, to the people around them, and whether they are blood or not. A lot of the characters choose based on the the connection they have with the person um davy whitmore who's an, from another one of the four families on 
Artemis <clears throat> is a good example of that. Again, she's one of the four families. She is, uh, at the beginning of the series, she is a minister of war, a very powerful person. Uh, her cousin is the official head of the Artemis colony. He's the president of the Artemis colony, Tom Whitmore. Um, so, I mean, there's, you know, there's a blood connection there. The Primus turns on her and she manages to evade the, the, the open airlock door and ends up with, ends up being rescued by Kendra and Ayana. Um, and at first, she absolutely cannot stand them uh, because they're the, they're the people that she was fighting against, you know, Minister of War. And they indirectly personally caused her some pain. Um, but as they go along, as as they go through, and, and she and Kendra spend many hours talking, because Kendra is looking at her and going, okay, this is a great source of information. You know, the minister, again, minister of war. You know, she can tell me all sorts of things. Davy realizes that they actually have more in common than she did with her blood family. So she eventually becomes part of uh, Kendra's Ohana, her found family, her ex her extended family. You know, her Kendra and Ayata's and Ayana's daughters look at Davy later on. You know, they come running up to her and go, Auntie Davy, you know, and slam into her. So it it, it you know, she has chosen the 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 found family over the blood fa family because right. she, is, she has that closer connection to those people rather than the ones with whom she shares genetics. And that that happens, right? I've I've heard from a few people um, where they're in that situation now. Um, it particularly happens for Gen Xs. Funnily enough, um, there's a lot of sort of difficulties within their own blood family, but they have a, a found family that works better. And at this time of year, Thanksgiving, people are sort of considering who to spend their time with, found family or blood family, and, and how's that going to work out? So I wonder, you have a character in there that does a little balancing between the two, I think, Nicole? Right, Nicole Crozier. Uh, yeah. It, it's funny how how characters who start off as very minor uh, end up taking a large role in these books. Nicole shows up in the first book of the Artemis War as just a technician in the Ministry of War. And along the way, she, so she has family, obviously, on Luna uh, in, in, in the colony. And she too runs afoul of the Primus and she has to be extracted from Artemis. Otherwise she's going to end up on the wrong side of the airlock door. The problem is, and she's very 
cold and reserved with the people who rescue her. The problem is she left her blood family behind. And so even though she finds herself in sympathy with Kendra and, and her cause, she can't, she can't latch on. She can't make the leap to saying, okay, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm with you until Kendra and others make the effort and pull Nicole's family um, out of Artemis. Uh, very much, it, it was an un, it was an unconscious parallel, but looking back on it, it's very much the you know the the Soviet defector heading to the U.S., leaving the family behind, and then the U.S. you know going in and getting the family out as well, you know, for the benefit of the defector. Um, at at which point, you know, at, at which point Nicole thaws and it accepts the okay yeah i'm here and this is good and all right i'm with you you know because right. now she now her found family and her blood family are both relatively speaking safe and well, i would imagine it's easier to focus on what you need to do if you're not spending time worried about people who are not in safety and i think this people today that can recognize that as a problem too. Um, we have another break coming up. And after the break, I want to get into discussions about polyamory and other unusual configurations of relationships that show up in your books, because sometimes it's a little unexpected. And that's not a bad thing, but I'd like to explore it a little bit. So everybody that's listening, please don't go away. We have some fascinating stuff coming up. Even more, these books are truly navigating complicated relationships. So stay tuned, whatever your favorite platform is. We're right here on the Inspired Choices Network. Don't go away. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program. 
Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships with me, Rikaila Gaffin-Stone, your host. And I have a special guest this week, Adam Gaffin, author extraordinaire. He writes science fiction, fantasy, and who knows what else is coming up next. Now, the topic that we wanted to get into after the break, or at least I want to get into, is Subjects such as unusual relationships or non-traditional forms of relationships, I think, is um, perhaps more encompassing. And that includes polyamory, but there's there's more. There's a lot of variety in there. And I would love to know how and why did that make its way into your books? Like, where, where did all of that come from? So I'd, I would have to credit Robert Heinlein with that, um, especially his um, his Lazarus Long novels and uh, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, where the idea of marriage is expanded and broadened. The, the definition that Heinlein uses is it, it it fulfills the adults' needs and takes care of the children. Everything else is just details. So whether there are, you know, it, moon is in the moon is a harsh mistress. They have line marriages where people marry into the family, and there are multiple generations, you know, that have married in. You know, and you have the senior husband and the senior wife all the way to, down to the the most junior. And what happens within the within that uh, within those members is up to the members. So interesting. Okay, and so that was your inspiration. But I mean, I have a little inside information here that you navigate these relationships so smoothly and so naturally in the books that you know it, it's fascinating to see because you present them as something that's very normal and you could even say traditional when right now the society we're in right now would would dispute that or at least a lot of society would dispute that so how has that affected the reception of your books you know, just by the public, who who really goes for them? Have you had anybody that's given you a hard time for them? There, there are people who who look at it and say, you know, no, not for me. You know, I I had one person uh, who had listened to the audio book of Cassidy Chronicles and said, you know, I enjoyed the the narration, but LGBTQ relationships aren't for me so I didn't enjoy it um all right fine you know that you you can make the, that choice I've also had very positive uh feedback from people saying again what you just said you know they're presented very naturally it's just it's part of society as I imagine it and you know what people do in the confines of their own home are what people do in the confines of their own home. It's not somebody else's business. Um, it, you know, it, if they're happy, then it's good. And if they're not happy, then it's not good. And it doesn't matter how many people or what genders are involved in the relationship. 
you know, it, it comes down to whether it's happy or not. And that really, that's okay. That's the bottom line. Like I couldn't possibly argue with that. Um, so you've had more positive responses than not. And I know you've done some workshops at schools, helping kids with their writing, for example. Um, has, have any of those kids read any of your books or are they aware of the different things that you bring into your books or do they just see you as a, an author? Like how, do, how does that go? So, so the workshop I did in September for the local literary festival uh, was with middle, middle grade kids. And they're just about the, the young limit, I would say, for getting the concepts I put forward in the Cassidy Chronicles. So we'll see if any of them, you know, they, they all got a, a free copy of the book. And we'll see okay. if, um, you know, where they are with that. You know, I, that would be interesting feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And one of, one of my favorite things that um, Kendra Cassidy says when she's Admiral, um, Admiral, sorry, I can't speak. Um, she has a quote or a quotable saying, if I don't ask, you can't say yes. Now, personally, I really like that. But where does that come from? How does that feature? Like, and how important is it throughout the story? Because I think it informs her approach a lot. It does. So Kendra goes into this again with the dream of leading humanity out to the stars, you know, and she she's building and leading the the charge to build the first starship. And things happen and she is not prepared for these things to happen so she's the ultimate amateur trying to do her best trying to muddle through and all the rules of you know all the established rules of politics and negotiation and she just ignores them you know she she you know the the phrase think outside the box she doesn't know where the box is so uh the the quote actually comes up she is on Titan, and Titan is a member of the Solarian Union. So technically, she's at war with the person that is sitting across the table from her. And she's there negotiating, trying to bring them over to her side. And the, the president, uh, Kira Smith, says, asks her, you know, what, you're not offering me any bribes? You know, you're not trying to sweeten the deal. You're just because Kendra has just laid out exactly what's going to happen, you know, if if Titan joins up, and she goes, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do that because if you need a bribe to be convinced, then I don't want you. Um, if if we're either a fit or we aren't, and that's that's where Kendra pulls out, you know, the if I don't ask you, you can't say yes. It. it it really does apply to everything that she does, figuring that, well, if I ask, the worst that happens is they say no, and I'm no worse off than I was than when I started. But they might say yes. Might be a small chance, but they might say yes. So I think it's a great approach to 
well, pretty much everything in life, really. I mean, it, it's very positive and it's very possible. And I love that there's so much possibility there. Sometimes uh, and I need to remember that for myself. So her unusual approach to politics and negotiation, I think, is something that we could uh, use on this planet at the moment. So tell, tell us about the journey of you as an author, like from first starting to where you are now and things like how you handle writer's block, because that's something that people talk about. Oh, I, I can't write. I haven't been able to write for the last eight weeks or, or whatever it is. How do you handle those kind of things? So I just threw a lot at you. Just play with it as it comes up. So working backwards, you know, from the writer's block, um, one of the reasons writer's block is not a real thing. Okay. This, this, okay. My, this is my hot take on it. Uh, writer's block is not a real thing because writer's block is mm, conditioned upon the idea that writers have to produce some number of words every single day or they're not a writer. Uh, and, and who's putting that pressure on them? Well, it is it is the standard, it is society saying, you know, you, you well no if you're if you're not writing all the time then you, obviously you know you have writer's block and no you know there are times where the story's not there the stories tell themselves okay if if you have a story to tell then the story is going to tell itself. The characters are going to be in there and going, hello, hello, this is what's going on in my life. I need you to tell it. Um, and they're not going to let you have peace until you tell it. There are some times when the characters are not saying that. And that's okay. That is perfectly okay. Um, if I'm not writing, I can do editing. I, I can do, you know, I can play with cover design. I mean, this, you know, the the background you see, that's a that's a concept I have for the next uh that's the, for the next novel. You know, and there are so many other things to do with writing that aren't writing itself. So no. You, you might not be adding words to a story, but that doesn't mean, you know, that's not writer's block. That's simply you're doing other things that are part of the big picture of writing. Um, as for the journey of a writer, one of the best things I've done, and I'm so looking forward to going back there, is uh, Superstars Writing Seminars. It's it's just a fabulous opportunity for authors to connect and network and learn from each other because there's so much to being an indie author. I mean, you're doing it all. You have to know not so much how to do it all, but you have to know where your strengths are and where to find the people to supplement the things that you're not strong at. And super now I would like to for that. I would like to, I would like to really go into that 
in a couple of minutes after we've had a break, because there's a lot of richness in what you're saying for people to use, even if they're not writers, but in just in work life, um, particularly for entrepreneurs, people who are starting their own business or want to branch out on their own or even have a, a side business or something. You've got a lot of information right there. And I want to revisit that after the break. I also just want to reflect on writer's block, the way you described the fact that it isn't a thing. It sounds to me just like imposter syndrome. That too is not a thing. It's been generated by society, but it's not It's not a real thing. It's a conditioned response to being told that you have to do better, you have to do more, you have to struggle, you know, and, and you should be this way, should be that way. So it's being should on an awful lot. And uh, writer's block sounds a lot like imposter syndrome. So we have a break coming up yet again. And I would like everybody to stay put because we are coming to some good stuff. And Adam's going to remind you after the break of where you can find free books, really inexpensive, accessible books, and they're all brilliant books. So don't go away. Stay right here on Inspired Choices Network. You are listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships. And I'm your host, Michaela Gaffin-Stone. See you in a minute. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Michaela Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Michaela Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at GaffinStone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so glad you're still here. I'm Michaela Gaffin-Stone, your host, and I have a very special guest this week, Adam Gaffin. Before we talk to Adam again, which is just in a moment, I want to let you know about next week's show. I have another guest that's three in a row. Don't get used to it. I'm not going to keep doing this. My next guest is Christina Coder, and she is going to deliver the secret to beating burnout as a busy parent. And I have to say that slowly and carefully because I could mess that up. So she's very interesting. Tune in for that next week. And Adam is going to tell you again now about his books and where you can find them. And there's a monthly newsletter that I think you might want to sign up for. Adam? Yep. So you can go to CassidyChronicles.com store and you can get all of the Cassidy books for $2.99 or less. Um, that's a sale that I'm running right now. You can get them there. You can sign up for the newsletter. It is sent out every four weeks. It is sent out actually by Kendra. So she will add some little snippets and her own particular brand of snark, um, to, to the, to the beginning of the newsletter. And I always include, uh, other authors in there, feature their books in it and, there are always links in there so you can get free books, fantasy, sci-fi, romance. I, I'm 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 not picky in 
what I present uh, as opportunities for my readers to expand and stuff their uh, stuff their Kindles. So, and it only goes out every four weeks. I, yeah. <laughs> I, so you're not spamming you're not spamming the inboxes, but you're giving lots of freebies, which I think cannot be a bad thing. Uh, I, I would love to jump back to the writer's block, imposter syndrome. You know, these things are pretty much the same thing. Did you always know that writer's block wasn't real or did you actually believe it for a while? Um, I've always suspected it wasn't real. Um, simply because it carries with it if somebody says, oh, I have writer's block, there's always the feeling, you know, much like imposter syndrome, you know, there's always the feeling that they failed in being a writer. You know, they are currently failing at being a writer because they're not writing. I have never felt that I have failed at being a writer when I'm not writing because I'm always busy with something else. Like I said, you know, there, there's editing to do, there's cover design, there is marketing, there is, oh my God goodness is marketing. There's always marketing. Um, so you can do all sorts of things. And even if you're not putting new words on the page. So I, I've, I've never fully believed that it was real because I never felt, you know, I never felt that I had writer's block, even if I wasn't writing. Wonderful. I, I love that, and I hope people listening are paying attention to this because imposter syndrome, it, it kind of marches. It's, it's a cousin, I would say, to writer's block because with imposter syndrome, there's this fear that I don't know enough or I don't have enough or, I'm, you know, you're not reaching the standard. And the standard is something that some person you've never seen has set, you know, or society is considered to have set, and, and you're not meeting this invisible line. And we can really beat ourselves up over that, which is kind of crazy. And yet we all do it. So that's that's pretty wild. I would love for you right now to jump into this fantasy thing that you've got coming up. And I know you don't want to give away too much, but that's a departure for somebody who does science fiction normally. So how did that happen? So the origin of this this fantasy trilogy, which we'll be releasing next, um, first one comes out February 1st. That's the plan. And then March 1st, and then April 1st. The origin of that is I wrote, I was invited to submit to a flash fiction anthology, a flash fiction romance anthology. And so I crafted this little story about an angel and a demon who had fallen in love. And, you know, this, I, I tried to put too much into the story. It wasn't a particularly good story. It certainly wasn't a romance story. And so it didn't make it into the anthology. Uh, but I realized that there was a lot more to the characters and their story than I could put into 1500 words um so let's see best estimate right now is about uh 
230,000 words later in the three books. So we could say it developed. It, it definitely <laughs> developed. It, it, definitely it developed. developed. Yes. And so where will people be able to get those books when they come out? So those books, uh, initially, I'm going to launch them only on, they're going to be Amazon exclusive. They're going to be on Kindle Unlimited, so that if you have that, you can download it and read it, you know, included in your membership. Um, and again, the first book should be out on February 1st. If people want to go look for it on Amazon uh, for pre-order, it is called, called God's Fall, the Book of One. That is the first one. Nice. I think we've given people lots to play with today and some books to go find. And I would love to go an, another time. I'd love to talk to you on here about the work that an indie author puts into that book, because it's not just writing the book. You you do all of it. You, you set the book, you do the cover, you do the marketing, you do everything as an indie author. And that is a daunting task for someone that hasn't yet started on that journey. But we may just have some listeners that are interested. So if you were listening to this or watching this, first of all, thank you for being here. I appreciate you. And secondly, email me, mickey at gaffinstone.com or email adam at adamgaffinauthor at gmail.com. And let us know what you'd like to know about the journey of an indie author. And if you have guests that you would like me to invite, let me know who they were, who they are and what they'd be talking about, because it needs to fit into navigating complicated relationships. So I have really enjoyed interviewing you on this <laughs> podcast episode, Adam. It's the first time we've ever done anything like this. And I think it's very cool. So again, you can go to Adam's website get some free books, get some inexpensive books, get some really fascinating books. And meanwhile, join me next week when I talk to Christina Kader about the secret to beating burnout as a busy parent. And she would know what she's talking about. So tune in next week, Navigating Complicated Relationships, here on the Inspired Choices Network. And I'm your host, Michaela Gaffin-Stone. Don't forget, let me know if you have some feedback for this episode. Let Adam know. Thank you for listening to the Navigating Complicated Relationship Show. Makayla returns Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember every relationship is a journey. And with the right tools, you can create stronger, more fulfilling connections.